We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I don't know why I'm pausing in between syllables like this. I don't know. I just did it. And so anyways, how are you guys doing? I appreciate you for tuning in. This episode, of course, is brought to you by Prize Picks. We will get into that later. Feeling a little... Feeling a little frisky this week on prize picks. Okay, we're going to get into that. I'm going to put some of this energy out into the universe, see if it sends any of it back my way, or if it just takes it all away. That's fine, too. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, NFC West News. I should have said that more like a... Anyways, the NFC West, the 49ers were the only NFC West team with a buy. I wonder if that's always the case, or do multiple NFC... Division teams, anyways, still not important, Robert. The NFC West scored a combined total in three games between three teams. They scored a combined six points this week. The Seahawks lost to the Ravens 37 to 3. The Ravens are like, I think they're finally starting to get a little bit more cred, if you will, in terms of this season. But I think the Ravens might be like, I don't know, I can look up some power rankings here, but are they a, are they a top three team? In the NFL right now? Let's see. Um, uh, Three days ago, NFL's power rankings. That's exactly where you want to go to find out everything that must be true. Eagles number. Okay, Baltimore Ravens number two. All right, so it's maybe it's just me that's late to the party, the Baltimore Ravens party, but they are seven and two, and they are beating the Seahawks 37 to three. So that earns you some respect right there. Um, the Jaguars that the 49ers are about to play are listed as fourth. The 49ers, on the other hand, are seventh. So, um, a little bit, a little bit, they're disrespecting me what the 49ers are saying right now. On the other hand, the Rams lost to the Packers, the Jordan Love led Packers 20 to three and the Cardinals lost to the Browns 27 to zero. 
I think there were some backup quarterback shenanigans going on there. Obviously, you got the Cardinals doing weird things over there, trading Dobbs, uh, not having Kyler Murray yet. The Rams, I think Matthew Stafford is hurt again. And they were starting, what was his name? From like San, San Jose State, right? Or something like that. Ripian? Ripian? Rip, 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 rip. Um, NFL, Jesus. If you want a nice little stat website to use. It's a good stat website. I'll give you a hint. The uh, password is the same as the username. Um, okay, week nine. I'm just I wanted to see what kind of damage the Browns did to the card. No, that's really not what I wanted to see. I went in went in to see who the quarterback was that played for the Rams. Um, probably seems like an inevitable Matthew Stafford retirement rumor starting to come soon if he is hurt again. But again, that's just this is literally just me talking while this site decides to load things. Um, where are we at? Where are the Rams? Where are you? There they are. Yeah, it was Brett Rippin. Rip Rippian. Rippian. Brett Rippin. Rippian. Straight Rippin. Ooh. If anybody knows who straight rip oh, you're just gonna Google it. Anybody knows who straight rippin' is, I would be very impressed. Let me let me Google them for the old days. Straight rippin'. Are they still a team? No. I mean sort of. But the first thing that comes up is what I'm talking about. Halo Esports Wiki. Straight Rippin used to be like one of the teams to beat in the Halo 2 days where I uh, where I cut my teeth in first-person shooters. Anyways, so the NFC West all took an L. So, I mean, that's like the opposite of like the joke. You know, you got fired on your day off. The 49ers were on their, their day slash week off and everybody else got fired. All of the, uh, the NFC lost. Which, I mean, I, I suppose you could say the only team the 49ers are really concerned about at this point are the Seahawks. They're technically tied in record, but the 49ers uh, have the edge in terms of divisional record. The 49ers are 2-0 and in the division. The Seahawks are 1-1. One and one. And then all the way down there, I mean, the Rams are 12th in the conference, and the Cardinals are in last place in 16th at 1-8. and eight. So... I guess you could say the only team the 49ers are truly concerned about are the Seahawks, but but are they, though? I, I feel like the 49ers, despite their three-game losing skid, is still the much better team than the Seahawks, but we'll see. Uh, the 49ers have been finding a way to uh, unimpress us all, so we'll see there. Uh, in terms of injuries, which I feel like are slowly developing as the storyline, I'm sure that's the way in most – That's that is the, the way. It's the only way I can think to say it in this moment. This is the way. Um, for most teams throughout the season, you know, injuries just eventually stack up. And right now, right at the top of that pile is one Trent Williams, who is still battling through an ankle injury. Now, I will lead with the from the front here and say Trent Williams did participate in practice for the first time in like two weeks today. Um, in limited fashion, which uh, for for hold on, who was it? Who was it that said this? Cam Inman uh, said that Williams was out there. Looked okay, limited. Did not look full strength. That was Cam Inman, um, but it was it, for to me. If you're going to put Trent Williams back out there and he's going to be limited, there one you could just be seeing what he's capable of. But you kind of already know that before you trotted him back out to practice, just based on his recovery. So if they're going to put him back out there on the practice field, I assume that's trending him towards playing. You know, but there were some some conversations this week 
from conversations, there were some statements from Kyle Shanahan this week that didn't shed a whole lot of confidence on Trent Williams' injury. Uh, Let me pull those up now. Um, Okay, Kyle Shanahan was asked, uh, I know Trent William normally does the bet day on Wednesday. Do you expect him at practice tomorrow and this tomorrow being today? And he said, I hope so. I know he can't go today, though. Um, Then the next question is, I think you initially said it was a low ankle sprain. Is there anything more going on with Trent's ankle? And Kyle said, yeah, I think obviously there is. So bad, you know, leading leading off with, with bad news, the fact that Trent Williams' ankle is more serious than just a low ankle sprain. Kyle said just when he, just when he's got a lot of history in there with this stuff, it didn't show up as a high ankle or anything like that. But when you've got that over your career, there's a number of things that with how it's taking longer than expected to heal, it's more than a low. So basically what he's saying is Trent Williams has chronic ankle injuries or has had multiple ankle injuries, significant in- ankle injuries in the past, and that this one has aggravated him more than a typical low ankle sprain typically would. So not the best news. You know, obviously Williams is not on injured reserve. I put in my notes, and this was from yesterday. I put he's he's not on injured reserve yet. This just at the time after Kyle said that, it kind of felt like one of those things, like the, the 49ers are just dancing around the idea that Williams could go on injured reserve. But now that he's limited, that sort of pushes me back a little bit on the idea that Williams won't or would be a long-term injury. You know, this could be one of those things where the 49ers kind of just limit him through most practices and he barely and it's and somebody in Williams position doesn't necessarily need a ton of practice. I'm not going to say he needs none because I think all football players need to just kind of maintain their craft, just like any high level athletic sport. It's a perishable skill. You don't just not do it. Um, But if there's anyone on that team that can get away with practicing the least, it would probably be Trent Williams. But at least he's out there, you know, and that's a solid step for the 49ers. I think that Trent Williams' absence has obviously had a huge effect on the 49ers' offense, especially when it comes to running the ball. I, I would, I would like to. It could be something I pull off in the moment, but I guarantee the 49ers have been significantly worse running the ball without Trent Williams on the field. I mean, analysis revelations here: uh, Trent Williams not on the field, and things get worse, of course, but. You know, and then there's also the residual effects of whether or not Jalen Moore is held up in his place in the passing game. Brock Purdy knows that Trent Williams is not behind him, you know, and that and that to me just has even more widespread implications just in the mental aspect of football. You know, Kyle Shanahan, a little more hesitant to call runs to the left side, knowing Trent Williams is not over there. So it's a big deal to have him back, even in limited fashion, but I'm I'm just not. Not ready to put my chips in just yet in terms of what Trent Williams' participation status is going to be for the game. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like if if he's going to be limited, I don't think the 49ers would do anything to put him in position to further ankles, injure his ankles. So he must be getting higher up in percentages in terms of how healthy he feels. Uh, in terms of other injuries, along with Trent Williams, uh, uh, Aaron Banks still didn't practice again. He has turf toe expected to miss a few weeks, uh, not on injured reserve. 49ers haven't put him on injured reserve yet, which is a good thing. I mean, this would be technically with the bye week, his second week of downtime. So maybe we start to hear about him a little bit next week when the 49ers come back to Levi stadium against the bucks. Maybe we, you know, maybe it's a week longer than that. Uh, limited in practice linebacker, Demetrius Flanagan fouls defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, who was not, I believe both of them 
were not on the injury report Wednesday and then popped up on the injury report for Thursday. So keep an eye on Flanagan Fowles and Hargrave on Friday when this podcast is coming out. I won't know. This is Thursday for me, but um, keep an eye out on that. That's, that's you know, late addition to the in, late week in additions to the injury report. Never a great thing. Defensive end Drake Jackson is also on there with a knee injury. And then you've got Trent Williams. Full participants. Um, rookie defensive end Robert Beal and rookie cornerback Darrell, Darrell Luter have both had their practice windows reactivated. Uh, Rayburn McLeod was, um, was out. Uh, sick. He just had an illness. Nothing crazy. Debo Samuel seems like he's completely back. He's been a full participation participant in practice most of the week. Um, he said he was ready to go at some point last week. So huge additions here. You know, you got Trent Williams. You've got Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel to me, kind of you guys. I know you guys were talking about uh, on social media about what I was saying about George Kittle being and just getting him more touches now. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that he didn't get a lot of touches against the Bengals, but that's kind of where it should remain. And that doesn't mean the 49ers have to morph into some pass heavy offense, but you want to get the ball into the hands of your best players. And the way you get the ball into the hands of George Kittle is through the air. They can be short passes. Don't care. And the 49ers can still hold on to their moniker of being a run first team while still getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers. But with Debo Samuel back, he he's, he's he, he, comes in a similar vein as George Kittle does for me. He's a guy you want to get the ball at least five times in some way or another, whether it's on sweeps, end arounds, uh, short passes, RPOs type stuff, or just straight up, you know, regular pass game, but you just want to get the ball into Debo Samuel's hands with a full head of steam. And so he, you know, I hold him in the same regard as I do Kittle in terms of just their tone setters. They are people that the opposing defense does not want to tackle. They do not want to mess with Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Uh, and I think through the air, Brandon Ayuk's probably the best threat the 49ers have. But when it comes to the damage they do after the catch, I don't think may, there are many out there at their position that could compare to Kittle and to, uh, and to Debo. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Let me see where we're at here. Okay. Um, Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes. It's weird. I think I think it's officially gotten weird. The 49ers announced, Kyle Shanahan announced, and then Steve Wilkes announced that he was moving down to the sideline. And I don't want... I mean, I guess you guys have been listening to the damn pod. I, I mean, I guess there could be people listening that have never listened before. If that's the case, welcome. But I feel like with the 49ers moving Wilkes down to the sideline, it's like, this sounds so dramatic. But like, it's another list on the, ch- it's another box being checked of the things that have to happen before Steve Wilkes' job is truly in jeopardy. And it, I don't necessarily think they're anywhere near that yet, but it's it's the 49ers and Steve Wilkes and Kyle Shanahan officially announcing to the world that everything is not okay. This three-game skid is not just bad luck. Um, the group feels like something's not right. And so he's moving to the sideline initially. And, and Steve Wilkes has said this. Kyle Shanahan said this. The main reason that they're offering, and it's a very justifiable reason, believable reason, is communication. You know, I think that essentially what Fred Warner would. Steve Wilkes cannot just communicate straight from his box to Fred Warner on the field. That communication has to be, re, uh, you know, radioed down to. I think it's linebackers coach Johnny, linebackers coach Johnny Holland, and then that has to be given to Fred Warner, which that right there is annoying as hell in terms of from a defensive coordinator standpoint, from a play, player on the field standpoint, you never want communication going through somebody. Now, there's probably a lot of teams that do it, but if you can make it work on the field where communication is direct and communication in between drives is direct, you can all sit there and look at an iPad or a screen and break down plays together in that moment and not be talking through a headset. Uh, it's all about communication. I think every, I think it was clear that the 49ers needed to make an adjustment. There was, there was no hiding the fact that the 49ers defense in that three-game skid, to me, Shares about 50% of the blame is the offense. I mean, a lot of the heat is going on Steve Wilkes. Rightfully so. I think that this regression for the 49ers defense in comparison to years past is... uh, The 49ers defense has been too consistently good for it to just randomly. And at the same point as a new defensive coordinator enters the building, just become mediocre. So it's obvious there's something wrong. And uh, moving to the sideline increases communication. It's an adjustment. It's You can call it a halftime adjustment, if you will. The 49ers are halfway through the season. They're making adjustments. Um, and now they're at least admitting something wasn't right or something needed to change. And this is not a huge change. It's not wrong for a team to make adjustments. It doesn't mean that the 49ers are grasping at straws. It doesn't mean that they're desperate. But it does mean that they're trying new things and they're trying to figure this out without obviously going to the most extreme measure and looking for a new defensive coordinator. Even Kyle Shanahan in his press conference was when I'm being asked about what the evolution was in terms of Wilkes going to the box. He even said, I like being in the box better. You know, you've got a desk in front of you. You've got a computer. You've got all these uh, screens that you can look at. You're seeing the game from above. So for Kyle Shanahan to say that he likes the box better and he thinks the box being up in the the press box is more effective and then talk about the fact that Steve Wilkes is now going down to the box. And here's what Steve Wilkes had to say. He said, 
I mean, guys, to me, just being very candid, I think we're making a bigger deal out of it than it needs to be, to be honest. I just want to be able to communicate with the guys a little bit more during the game. Certain things that I'm seeing, I'd rather be able to talk to them directly than to communicate with coaches. I think our coaches do a great job, number one, throughout the week, but also in game adjustments. That's one of the things that I've really prided ourselves on and how we communicate as a staff and making the right things throughout the game. So it's just really with me just wanting to be able to communicate with these guys a little bit more. So they're putting it all on communications. But one, if Kyle Shanahan sort of has to announce that Steve Wilkes is going down to the sideline and then Steve Wilkes has to lead off with saying, I think we're making a bitter, bigger deal out of it than it needs to be, then it's a bigger deal than you're trying to make it seem like it is. Kyle Shanahan's already announced it as if it was some type of major addition to the roster. You know, it was, he announced his move and then Wilkes is talking. It's not a, it's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be because it's clear the 49ers are searching for an answer when it comes to a defense that is not in any way performing as if they did in the past. So I'm not, you know, throwing my hands up into the air full of papers saying the 49ers defense is finished. But you, you you can't just tell people to sit there and act like the move is nothing. When if everything were going fine, the move wouldn't have happened. You know, if everything was going great, then the 49ers wouldn't feel any need to make changes. They wouldn't make any adjustments. So while I'm I'm not necessarily for overreacting to the move, I'm not for underreacting and underselling it either. The 49ers are obviously searching for an answer when it comes to Steve Wilkes. And is moving him down on the field the answer? My first inclination says no. I don't think necessarily that is going to change things for the better. It seems like it will make communication better. But, I mean, what good is communication if the calls being communicated and the, the decisions being made are not correct? And I'm not even, again, I've said this many times, I don't have the NFL football acumen to directly criticize an NFL defensive coordinator for what he is and isn't doing. But it's clear that they're trying to make adjustments and figure things out. And to act like people are just overreacting to it, it would have never been said if it wasn't a thing. You know, it's it's a little little silly. Uh, this also feels like a move that the players were likely involved in. I think that Kyle Shanahan, not necessarily without Steve Wilkes, it wouldn't surprise me if Kyle Shanahan sat down with Steve Wilkes and some of the 49ers leaders, say Fred Warner, who's got the green dot on his helmet, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, uh, you know, um, Tashawn Gibson, just trying to think of kind of the more veteran guys that would really have something to offer in that regard. There's, there's more. But this seems like something the players would have preferred. Like, hey, I, like I'm tired of talking to a guy on the hel- in my helmet and then having him talk to you and then waiting for the message to get back and being relayed through him. You know, uh, the 49ers at their best. And this isn't – Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans were on the sideline. That isn't necessarily what made the 49ers defenses great during that time. But it could very well have been a reason, a part of the reason. And – the 49ers sending Steve Wilkes to the sideline may be just one attempt to make sure that they get closer to that. You know, so I don't necessarily think it's worth the overreacting to. Like, oh, here's this is step two of three. If this doesn't work, then, then Steve Wilkes has one more chance before you it's not like that. But I think that it's clear the 49ers are searching for an answer. And we'll see if this is is this the last ditch effort? Is this the last thing they do before? You know, we start hearing rumors about 49ers moving on from Steve Wilkes. Uh, I don't think so. 
but I really don't know. And and obviously the 49ers with the expectation that they have, they can't really afford to wait around. Like, you know, either it works. They've traded for Chase Young. They've moved Wilkes to the sideline. What's next if neither of those things work? There's only so many things that can happen for this team with the expectations they've placed on themselves and the world around them is placed on them. So it's interesting. I, I kind of like battle with myself. Oh, not that big a deal. Wait, well, they don't really have time for it not to be a big deal. So it's kind of a big deal. And it, it is something, but it's not everything. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a little back and forth, It's a little back and forth. So 49ers coming off their bye week you know, the 49ers, uh, I've seen this. I, I, need, I wish I would have pulled it up beforehand. I know they got royally screwed when it comes to playing teams coming off their bye, traveling on short weeks against teams that don't have, you know what I mean? The, the rest disadvantage the 49ers have this year is like, I, I want to say it was like record setting. And this, in a weird way, is a great uh, example of that. On the 49ers bye week, when you would hope that they they got the advantage of a bye. They get to play against a team that's coming off a game while the 49ers had a bye. And, of course, they get matched up against a Jaguars team that is not only good, but they're coming off their bye week too. Like, How deflating must that be for people in the 49ers front office and even players if they care about that shit to know that when you get your bye week, it's not even it, you get to get healthy and you get to feel better, but you're also going up against another team that got to get healthy and feel better too. It's that has to be so frustrating for a team that's played teams on short weeks. And it, I, there are smarter men than me that have broken down how disadvantaged the 49ers are when it comes to rest. Um, and, and it, and it, it just puts a cherry on top. The fact that they finally get their bye week and that's not even an advantage to them because the other team got their bye week too. So it's kind of crazy. Both teams are coming off of the bye. The 49ers are obviously the ones that have to travel for an early 10 a.m. game. And the Jaguars are no joke. Uh, again, I, I didn't realize they were getting this much respect in terms of NFL power rankings, which are the end-all be-all of, of NFL rankings. And it is what it is. And this is like the Bible. I'm just, I'm just finding ways to be a sarcastic. But the Jaguars are, are considered the fourth best team in the NFL per NFL power rankings. They're 13-4 and four in their last 17 games. And if you go and look at the Jaguars, what I like about their 13-4 and four, is they lost one, two, three, four, five games in a row. And then somebody in that building said, fuck this, we need to change. And they have won 13 of, of their last 17 after that. They're 13 and four in their last 17 games. We talked about it on the last pod. They are not a team to be trifled with. They are very good. They are beating other teams convincingly. You know, they beat, um, I mean, they barely lost to the Chiefs. They got blown out by the Texans, which weird at the time, but I guess it's not that weird anymore. They beat the Bills. That's an impressive win. You know, they they beat the Steelers pretty handedly. Yeah, I mean, they're they're scrapping away at games. Trying to just kind of get an eye. Uh, Bills is a huge win for them, but and now they're going up against the 49ers. The, the Jaguars seem like what the 49ers should be currently, you know, without the losing skid. It's a solid defense and a quarterback that gets the ball out quickly and doesn't turn it over. You know, like I just, the more I looked at how the Jaguars were playing football, the more I felt like the Jaguars are like the 49ers. Trevor Lawrence has completed 185 passes, uh, almost 68, pretty much 68%, 
just under 2,000 yards. He's averaging 7.1 yards to throw, which is on the lower end, but that kind of matches up with everything else I've seen about the Jaguars' offense. Nine touchdowns, four interceptions. Nine touchdowns, that's pretty low. I wish I would have... Uh, oh, I did pull up the 49ers stats. Idiot. Um, so Brock Purdy also completing 68% of his passes right above 2,000 yards. Uh, I mean, you know, big difference. Brock Purdy's averaging 9.1 yards per completion. That's a big difference. A a two yard difference, 12 touchdowns to five interceptions. So they're very, they're playing very similar brands of football. Um, the 49ers or excuse me, the Jaguars have a solid defense in a lot of ways, more solid than the 49ers are right now. And that's why they're winning games. They're a well-rounded football team. They get it done on offense. They get it done on defense. And that's how that's the only way you go 13 and four over the course of the last 17 games. On offense, Trevor Lawrence gets the ball out very quickly. And this is a problem for the 49ers. We've seen this already. Trevor Lawrence gets the ball out the fastest in the league at exactly two seconds. That's crazy. He's three spots ahead of Joe Burrow, who just absolutely eviscerated the 49ers. I think I said that word a lot last week and I'm saying again, again, now I, I've just realized I might have an affinity for the word eviscerated. I don't know. It's just kind of fun to say, right? So Joe, Joe Burrow sliced and diced the 49ers to pieces. And Trevor Lawrence is capable of doing the exact same thing in the exact same way. Now, what's interesting about what we were just mentioning with the Bengals is the Bengals have like the lowest yards per completion in the NFL. And Joe Burrow is also among one of the quickest to throw in the NFL. So, and that we're discovering is whether it's the book on how to beat the 49ers or it's just the book on how to beat this 49ers defense, but getting the ball out quickly and just kind of moving efficiently, moving your way down the field seems to be the best course of action when it comes to beating the 49ers because it, it alienates their pass rush. It, it, it neglects it quite a bit. That's why the 49ers don't have impressive sack stats so far. Now, according to Robert Sala, we as a society overvalue the sacks, which I'm sure there's an element of truth to, but in terms of what we've slow and Kirk cousins did the same thing. In terms of what we're slowly discovering works very well against this 49ers defense, the Jaguars are good at it. Again, Lawrence is gets the ball out faster than any quarterback in the league, three spots ahead of Joe Burrow, and Purdy is 13th. So Purdy's no slouch when it comes to getting the ball out quickly, but Joe Burrow's on another planet in terms of the average. He's only under pressure about 27, 20% of the time, which is right around the middle of the league. And I'm sure that his quick passes negate that. Um, the Jaguars are 15th in the NFL and pressures allowed and sacks and same number for sacks. Whereas um, Purdy is 23rd in pressures under pressure. He's under pressure. The 23rd most in the NFL, I guess is the best way I could say it. So in terms of it, it being a good thing, the 49 Purdy's top 10 in the NFL in terms of pressures. Sorry, I thought I heard something going on in my house, but I I don't think I did. Whereas, and 27th in sacks. So a little bit different there in terms of uh, uh, Lawrence is under pressure and he gets sacked right at the, in the middle, the average of the NFL. Whereas Purdy is 23rd in pressures and 27th in sacks. Or you could say, you know, ninth in pressures and fifth in sacks. You know, it's, it's a good stat for Purdy. 
So the 49ers defense can definitely get to Trevor Lawrence, but in terms of his average time to throw, that's pretty freaking impressive. They both average, him and Brock Purdy both average around the same in terms of yards per scramble. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is 26th in intended air yards. Like, essentially what that stat means is how far were you trying to throw that ball, whether it was completed or not, which I think is a good stat. You know, you match that with completion percentages, and I think it's pretty impressive. Purdy was 12th in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence is 26th. So he has no problem throwing the ball at or around the line of scrimmage as long as it's going to gain him some yards and keeps the chains moving and as long as he gets the ball out quickly, which, again, for any offense playing the 49ers from here until the end of the season, their focus 100%, not 100%, not the entire focus, but one of their primary focuses will be getting the ball out quickly against this defense. I mean, it's it's not hardcore analysis, but it's easier said than done. And the problem that we're seeing with the 49ers defense is there's somebody to throw it to quickly almost all the time for these quarterbacks. Joe Burrow only had like four incompletions. So that means that somebody's getting open quickly. If that means that Steve Wilkes needs to be more aggressive and put his corners in situations where they're in sink or swim, press coverage, man coverage, at the very least uptight to where these guys aren't coming open super early. Now you're putting a lot of pressure on your corners to make sure that you can cover for the first three seconds of that route. But at the same time, you want to get that quarterback. You want to get Lawrence to not fire away this first target, to take a longer look at something, to pump the ball and then move on to the next read. That's what the 49ers defense has to do to every quarterback they face. And so far, at least in this three-game skid, they've failed to do it. You know, at the, even more specifically against the Vikings and against the Bengals, they really failed to do it. It seemed like Cousins and Burroughs were consistently just thrown to their first read. Bam! It was a very quick event, a play from snap to completion. And I and I think that that's going to be a continued trend. So how well can Steve Wilkes adapt to how NFL offenses are? in my opinion, undoubtedly going to try to beat them. We'll see. Is moving to the sideline the answer, or does that just give him an up-close-and-personal view at how ineffective the 49ers' defense has been of the late? And like I said, the Jaguars' off, or excuse me, the Jaguars defense is no joke. They're fourth in the NFL in terms of yards per carry, 3.6. The 49ers, on the other hand, are 18th. I think they're giving up over four yards a carry, if I'm not mistaken. They are 10th in rushing touchdowns allowed, where the 49ers are 8th. They are 13th in first down percentages on the ground. The 49ers, can you believe this shit, are 31st. The 49ers are one of the worst teams in the NFL in giving up first downs on the ground. That, to me, signals just a... That, along with the yards per carry stat, signals a complete departure from what the 49ers have kind of prided themselves on I believe that's the word I'm looking for for like the last decade stopping the run I mean you've got a few coordinators in there a couple coordinators in there that weren't as good at it but that's always been like an absolute staple of the 49ers is to stop the run put them in a passing mode and then get after the quarterback this team is built to do that but they haven't done it which is pretty sobering Jaguars are also 11th in the NFL in terms of completion percentage allowed. The 49ers, again, not too great, 22nd. On the other hand, and this kind of tells you that where things lie, the Jaguars are 25th in the NFL in passing yards allowed, whereas the 49ers are 13th. 
So the Jaguars are just fine with getting – they're good against the run. They're okay against the pass. They're also 16th in the NFL in passing touchdowns. So they're giving up plenty of passing yards. They're giving up a decent amount of passing touchdowns. The 49ers are 10th in terms of passing touchdowns. So maybe that's where um, the most success will lie, which is not exactly a comforting – this is not a comforting scenario for the 49ers offense. Can they take advantage – of the Jaguars defense? I think so, but I think the Jaguars defense and its strengths are a bit underrated coming into this. The focus is obviously on what the Jaguars defense is going to be, offense is going to be able to do against Steve Wilkes defense. Well, the Jaguars defense is legit, and it it, it looks like a defense that's capable of putting the 49ers in the same position they've been in over the past couple games, where they're down on the scoreboard, and Purdy has to throw against a defense that doesn't necessarily pride itself on defending the pass, but they are tied with the 49ers with 11 interceptions. I think they're both like second, third in the NFL, somewhere around there. So they're giving up a lot of passing yards. They're giving up a decent amount of passing touchdowns, but they're also forcing turnovers. So it's it seems like one of those games where the 49ers really need to stay ahead on the scoreboard. And I know that's, thank you, Captain Obvious. If the 49ers end up with more points, then they win the game. But it's just a defense that isn't going to give you much on the ground. They're okay with you passing against them, but they also have some takeaways. And we know that Purdy over these last three games, as I want to say six second-half turnovers, we talked about that. Not going to bang that drum anymore. But over, overall, you've got, a, you've got a, a defense that is very capable of stopping what the 49ers prefer to do well, and that's run the ball. Very capable of stopping that. One of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. You've got a, a pretty soft passing defense, but that still forces some takeaways. So it, it, you're, you're going to get some yards through the air, but they're, they're going to get you, you know, I mean, we're in the ninth week of the NFL, right? Week nine by, and they forced, they both teams have forced 11 turnovers. That's averaging more than one interception a game. So it's it's another interesting game for the 49ers. In my opinion, it's a must-win game for the 49ers. It's, you simply can't operate under the guise of being a Super Bowl contender or a playoff contender, mind you, and lose four games in a row, two of which are to good teams. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, what do you mean they're a good team? You know, If you lose to one of them, not that big a deal. Yeah, but those are the teams you're going to need to beat to get to where you want to go. And the 49ers have been so close to winning another Super Bowl since Kyle Shannon have been here a couple times, and they're tired of knocking on the door. But if you're not going to beat teams like the Vikings, and I'm not even going to hold them too accountable for the for the Browns. The Browns have an all-worldly defense. They went over there on a short-ish week and in bad weather, and they got beat. And they were in position to win the game. We've talked about that plenty. Um, but Jake Moody just missed. And so I, I feel like that would alter the narrative a lot. But what concerns me more is getting, we'll just say it again, eviscerated by Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow. You sh- and The Vikings are, I had a lot more respect for them, for them than a lot of people, but they were definitely a team the 49ers should have beat. And then the Bengals are at least a team the 49ers should have looked like they were competitive with. Now, uh, the score is a little misleading in that game. It was a competitive game. The 49ers, again, uh, you know, had a red zone turnover. They had one interception that was immediately the next play converted into points, and that could make a scoreboard look more lopsided than it actually is. 
But you've got the Bengals and now you've got the Jaguars, two teams that if the 49ers want to pride themselves on being the real deal, the Kyle Shanahan special, they just need to beat. And losing four in a row, two of which to good teams, just does not sound like a playoff team to me, which is pretty wild considering just how talented this 49ers roster is. It just seems like such a fall from grace and the cries for some type of change. And I'm not, you know, I'm not that guy, but are only going to get louder if the 49ers can't go into Jacksonville and take care of business. They're in an interesting position right now. The 49ers are. Because if you take a look at the Eagles schedule, now just to break it down real quick for you, the NFL divisional standings, or excuse me, conference standings. The Eagles are in first. They're eight and one. The Detroit Lions are second with six and two. And then the San Francisco 49ers are third at five and three with uh, the Seahawks right behind them at five and three. So it, it would look like there is a very significant gap between the 49ers and the Eagles. I, I'm, I'm sure the Lions are part of that mix too. I'd have to, I'd have to, let's go Lions. Cause I have the Eagles schedule up here. So I want to look up the Lions as well. Okay, so after we just had week, okay, they had a week nine bye too, weird. Chargers, okay, the Lions schedule, Chargers, Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Eh, pretty pretty easy schedule. There's some games in there that they could definitely lose. I, I could see them losing both to the Vikings. and I'm, I'm not saying they will. The Broncos just beat the Chiefs. That's weird. Uh, the Cowboys are in there, but that's a pretty usual, easy schedule for the Lions. And they're, the four, if the 49ers are still going to get after that first seed, which of course they are, they're going to have to outpace the Lions, which may not be easy. And even though the 49ers, in a lot of eyes, would still be considered a better team than the Lions, 49ers would be. Uh, but if you go and look at, here's my point. If you go and look at the Eagles' schedule, okay, they all they have a bye in Week 10. Then they play the Chiefs at Kansas City. Then they play the Bills. Then they play the 49ers. Then they play the Cowboys. That, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, if you had to ask, if you ask me right now, who am I picking between the Eagles and the 49ers? I'm picking the Eagles. They've, they've clearly earned that respect, whereas the 49ers have not. But it, there's it's not too crazy to think that they lose in the away game against the Chiefs. They lose in a home game against the Bills, which I, I do think that the Eagles are the better team at least in the Bills, but more entertain me here. They could lose all four of those games against the Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, and Cowboys. The Cowboys and Chiefs games are away games. And so that would then put the Eagles sitting at 8-5. and five. I don't think they lose all those games, but I'm just presenting you a reality here. Okay, And then you go over to the 49ers schedule, which I thought I had up here, but I don't see it now. It's just so sad. I'm going, I'm going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You go to the 49ers schedule, and you've got the Jaguars, who we're talking about now. And you've got the Buccaneers. Then you've got at Seahawks, and you've got at Eagles. This, this, The Jaguars are obviously a challenging game. The Eagles are a challenging game. The two teams in the middle, the Buccaneers and the Seahawks, I think the 49ers would expect to beat them. Uh, you know, whatever. Didn't expect them to lose three straight either. So I'm not necessarily taking the 49ers in any situation right now, but 
Conceivably, the 49ers can win those four games. The Eagles could lose their four games. And I don't know what the Lions would be doing, but there is room to gain on the Eagles. There is a reality where the 49ers capture the number one seed. Um, It's not a likelihood. It's not a strong chance. I would probably say some ESPN analytic would probably say it's like a, (coughs) excuse me, 10 to 20% chance, but it's there. And so it, it, it's um, it, we're at a moment for the 49ers where they have to just start going on one of their late season runs that we've seen them do a lot. Second half of the year runs. They've got to start winning games. And if they don't, then they're not going to be control their own destiny. And if things really get out of hand, are they going to be fighting for playoff contention, period? We'll see. If you're guaranteed a playoff spot if you win the division, if the 49ers can't keep pace with the Seahawks and beat them twice, and then at least once, I guess you could say, then they don't deserve to make the playoffs, which would be considered a massive, massive disappointment for this squad of this caliber. That would just be an underperformance of a lifetime. But, you know, that's that's not where we're at. I, I, I like to paint a picture for what a team means to do. And, you know, like my silly example is at one point, the Kasner football team coached by yours truly, Assistant coach. Well, at one point, we were two and two. We'd beaten two of the teams. We lost two of the teams. And we just, you know, looked like we were staring at a four and four season. And, you know, we can feel good about some things and whatever. But instead, we fixed what we did wrong. We made some changes. And we ended up going on a four and a run, finishing six and two uh, for sole second place and beating the only undefeated team in the district. On the and the last game of the season in double overtime. If you haven't heard the story, go to last week's pod. It's a pretty amazing story, if I do say so for my, myself. Pretty amazing game, and you know we just felt like champs. Like we weren't champs. We they had a seven and one record. We were six and two. We were second place. We were not champions, but we left that game feeling like hot shit. And like, all right, then let's run it back one more time. Let's see what y'all got. So. And that's what the 49ers have a chance to do. The Eagles might just keep winning games and they outpace the 49ers and that's it. It is what it is. But at least the 49ers have reconciled their differences and their problems and they've started winning games and they can go into the playoffs going, look, those three games, that three game skid, we learned from it. We rebounded from it. We are the team to beat right now. Let's keep going. I remember seeing little random articles about how are the 49ers peaking too soon? And maybe they did. I mean, they made it seem like beating the Cowboys was a Super Bowl win. But they can rebound now, and now they can peak then and peak now. You know, are they peaking for a second time, second wind? You know, it's there is a way ahead for the 49ers, but it's going to involve them winning and proving that, that they're the team that everybody thought they were at the start of the season. And if they don't do that, you know, then we the expectations are going to be low. Maybe they squeak into the playoffs, but nobody expects them to make noise. Maybe they don't squeak into the playoffs and shit gets real tense in the offseason. You know, that's that would be uh, a team with Super Bowl expectations missing the playoffs. I mean, damn, I'm not ringing any alarm bells, though. I, I have more confidence that the 49ers will turn it around than they won't. They've just shown a propensity to do that. And we'll see. We'll see. All right. Next time you guys will hear from me will be should be Monday morning for you. Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. We're, we're not getting out of here yet. Prize picks. I told you. Prize picks. Prize picks. Prize picks. I should have wrote it down on my notes. Prize picks. Okay. I'm going to give you mine as my prize picks because, I, like I said, 
It's feeling a little, feeling a little spicy. All right, so I'm going to my entries. I set two different power play entries, meaning all four of them have to hit. Okay, here's my first one. I'm taking Brock Purdy more than eight and a half rushing yards. He's eclipsed that in the last three games. That he, he's 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 been he seemed like he's just been willing to run a little bit more. He's feeling a little bit more. I, I could take that. I can and I can get that in one run. But I'll take that over the course of a game. George Kittle more than three and a half receptions. That's another another number that's been trending up. Purdy and at four and Kittle's connection and Kittle's productivity. I want to see that continue to trend in that direction. I think he's going to get more than three and a half receptions. And I think the 49ers are going to need to uh, get it in the hands of their playmakers analysis. I took Travis Etienne, Jaguars running back, to have less than 91.5 rush and receiving yards. I thought that I I I think that Etienne is good. I think he's great. I think that the Jaguars offense is good. Is it good? Let me go look. Let me go look right now. Let me go look right now, bro. All right. Jaguars offense rushing yards per carry. I had to scroll down. Let's see. They're only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. They're in the bottom half of the league, bottom 10 offense in terms of yards per carry. What about rushing touchdowns? Also in the bottom half of the league. Right around the middle. Right around the middle. All right. So I took I th- I thought that number was the ETN number was just a little high. 91.5. I'll take I'll take less than that. I'll take less than that. We'll ride with that. And then I had Trevor Lawrence also having more than 16 and a half rushing yards. He's eclipsed that in most of his games. And I feel like maybe the 49ers, with the addition of Chase Young, will be forcing Lawrence off his spot and forcing him to move down the field. So there's my four power play. Brock Purdy, more than eight and a half rushing yards. George Kittle, more than three and a half receptions. Travis Etienne, less than 91.5 rush plus receiving yards. And Trevor Lawrence, more than 16 and a half rushing yards. My second four-person power play. Yes, not one, but two. Okay, stay with me. Christian McCaffrey, more than 66 and a half rushing yards. Brandon Ayuk, more than four and a half receptions. I'm a big more guy for some reason. Evan Ingram, more than five receptions. He's basically had that all season long. And I think um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be getting the ball out a lot and quickly. And then I did Calvin Ridley, more than 55 and a half receiving yards. Because the 49ers have not done well at containing dynamic receivers. And Calvin Ridley's pretty dynamic in my opinion. All right, prize picks. Okay. If you don't know what prize picks is, it's daily fantasy sports. Okay. You jump on there. You find whichever sport you're into. I mean, if, if you go to prizepicks.com and you go to, I mean, just on the top little banner, NBA, college football, NFL, college basketball, NBA, uh, first, they've got first half. They've got second half bets. They've got hockey. They've got specials. They've got all sorts of stuff. They got like, where you combine college and pro football. I can take Drew Aller of um, PSU and Brock Purdy of the 49ers and com- if they get more than 438 passing yards. So there's so many different options out there. NFL sprints, PGA, MMA. Do they have F1 on here? Man, if they have F1 on here, I will be – I need I need uh, uh, more, to, more to come. If, if prize picks, if you don't have F1, you need to get it. Man, that would be sweet. All right. 
So there's all kinds of different options. You're picking between two to six players. You're picking more or less. And then you're watching the winnings roll in. I like it because it's very simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entries in less than 60 seconds. I did both those entries you just talked about in probably two or three minutes. Um, all you got to do, prizepicks.com slash gold. Use the promo code gold uh, for a first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Okay, again, that's prizepicks.com slash gold. Using the code gold, and they're going to match up to 100 bucks. Um, Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, two different power plays this week. Ride with me. Ride with me. Share in my victories. I've won. I've won the last two weeks now. Uh, let's keep it going. If I win one of those, I'm still going to be a happy man. So let's roll out Autobots. Anyways, such a geek. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Striking Goal. Thank you for being an integral part of this podcast. Don't forget, after the game on Sunday, win or lose, I will tweet out, take away time, you need to get in the replies. Our, our Sunday episode, our post-game episode, has just basically morphed as you guys have all taken over it with your takeaways, which I am perfectly fine with. Y'all are my co-hosts. Let's go. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Robert underscore louder and participate if you have never participated before, I have had over 90 replies before, and I've hit them all. Okay? All right. I appreciate you guys. You know what I watched the other day? Back to the Future. Back to the Future is a perfect movie. A 10 out of 10. That's all I have to say. I just moved my foot on my chair and it made a fart noise. I hope you guys heard that through the mic because that would be hilarious. All right. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. If you want to go a little bit further with your support, um, get on whatever app you listen to. Leave us a five-star review. If you want to leave a comment, question, mailbag, anything of interest, I'll see it. I'll get to it. And yes, I even see the negative reviews that roll through every so often for the people that are so upset with me for talking about the 49ers. But hey, at least they're there. You know, they exist. They're people too. Um, but yeah, five-star review. Let us know what you're thinking in the comments. Get in there. Um, but anyways, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening, especially if you're still here. 50 minutes in, let's go. Um, again, next time you will hear from me should be Monday morning after the 49ers uh, results from the Jaguars game. We'll break it down. Don't forget about takeaway time. But as for now, all good things must come to an end. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we're signing. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.